Good evening, it's time to begin. Our first song this evening will be on page 323. Living by Faith, 323. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, give shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From arms safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no I know that he safely will carry me through, no matter what evils be tied. Why should I then care that the tempest may blow, and Jesus walks close to my side? Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confining in his great love. From arms safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no Our Lord will return to this earth some sweet day. Our troubles will then all be o'er. The Master so gently will lead us away beyond the blessed heavenly shore. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confined in his great love from a harm safe in his sheltering arms I'm living my faith and feel no Tonight I'll be reading Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, and the, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let us, let your request be made known to God and peace of God, which suppresses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The next song will be on page 536. There is a habitation. There is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek that grand abode. Oh, Zion, Zion, 
gates to see. O Zion, Zion, when shall I dwell in Thee? city with foundations firm as the eternal throne no wars or desolations shall ever move a stone O Zion Zion I long thy gates to O Zion, Zion, when shall I dwell in Thee? Within its pearly portals, angelic armies sing with glorified the praises of its King. O Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. O Zion, Zion, when shall I dwell in thee? bowing please most gracious and loving heavenly father we're thankful this another opportunity we have to assemble here as a band of your children to read from your word to sing these songs of praise thy great and holy name to hear another lesson from your word pray that you'll please be with brother tom tonight as he recollects the things he's prepared to preach tonight and Please be with each one of us as, as listeners that we will clear our thoughts and minds of worldly things and concentrate upon you and your word and what your will is for us. Pray that you will help us to think upon the things that are said tonight. Help us to read and study your word daily and to apply these truths to our everyday walks of life that we might draw closer to you each and every day that we might strive to do your will and to be the best Christian examples we can possibly be. Please help us as throughout this week to look for ways and opportunities to encourage, uplift others to share your good news when the, when the opportunity arises. We're thankful, Father, for progress of some of our sick, those who have been absent recently and been able to recover, be back with us. We still have a lengthy prayer list, those who are facing uh, surgeries in the near future, those who are waiting outcomes of tests, those who are shut in, pray that you'll please bless each one with things they need and Please be with each of their caregivers that things might be done that they too will be strengthened and healed and be able 
be back to her normal walk of life. Pray, Father, that you'll please be with those who are bowed down on sorrow with the loss of loved ones. Pray that you'll please comfort and strengthen them as all you can do. Father, we ask you, please be with all those who are suffering from loss of life and property, all the things that are going on from the earthquakes, Turkey. Pray that you'll please uh, bless these families as only you can do. Father, we ask you continue to be with your church here at Strasville. Please be with our elders as they lead us spiritually. Please help each of us to work in unity to spread your gospel throughout this community and throughout the world. Father, we ask you just go with us through this night and on down through the future walks of life. Please forgive us when we fail you so many times. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. The invitation song this evening will be on page 567. There's a great day coming. Before the lesson, we'll sing, I will call upon the Lord on page 714. If you're able to, please stand. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You know the Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord. Please be seated. Dale told me he was going to lead that song right before the lesson, so I was excited because it had a rock in it. We're going to talk about rocks tonight. we got a lesson series on Sunday night, and uh, it's based on Psalm 72, and it's called Jesus, Jesus My Rock. So um, there's a lot of things in the Bible about the Lord being a rock, and, and we're going to look at some of those over the next two or three weeks. Some of our group are away at the area-wide tonight, so we're glad that Stroudsville is always as well represented. And uh, so I'm proud that we have uh, some of our youth that went over there tonight. So Jesus, my rock, Psalm 62. David writes this in the Psalms, in, um, in that particular Psalm, verse 2. He alone is my rock. And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. 
In verse 7, drop down, O God, rests my salvation and my mighty glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then in 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven, which may be where the song came from, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and research. But listen to this from Samuel. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. And may God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. Sounds sort of like the song. So as soon as you told me you were singing that, um, I thought about that and was singing in the in the truck. So thank you for choosing that song tonight. What a great song. So tonight, our theme is going to be water from the rock. Water from the rock. And you guys have probably uh, remember that there were two occasions in the Old Testament when the Israelites were going through the wilderness. The first occasion, the Lord told Moses to strike the rock, right? And Moses complied. He struck the rock and water came out. And we're going to be reading about that. If you want to turn to Exodus 17, in just a moment, we're going to hear about the water coming from the rock. A little bit later, there was an occasion, and the context is Moses was starting to get really frustrated with the Israelites, as his God had gotten frustrated with the Israelites. Moses got frustrated. And in this particular case, second occasion of the water coming from the rock, the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock. Well, things didn't go so well. Moses got mad, and as we do sometimes, he chose to hit the rock with his staff. And he said, listen, you rebels, shall I bring water from this rock? Whack, whack. And uh, water came forth. But Moses did not obey the specific command of God, and as a result, did not enter into the promised land. Moses got to go up on a high mountain, look into the promised land, but uh, didn't get to go to the promised land. I don't know if you ever thought about it on the Mount of Transfiguration. I think he got to be there, didn't he? But uh, think about that. A little bit of a trivia question. And we know that ultimately Moses will be with, with us forever in, in heaven, in the promised land with the Lord. So tonight we're going to talk about the rock. Um, he is the rock which gives living water. So living water. So I want you to think about HTO, being thirsty. What's the most thirsty you've ever been? And remember getting water and how it satiated that thirst, how it was wonderful. You've probably seen movies of people crawling through the desert. So actually, this is true. I was stranded in Death Valley one time. I was. I was crawling through the desert. No, I really wasn't. I was on the side of the road. I put a little 911 thing on the back of my van that said, call 911. First car that passed us pulled over. Hey, y'all having trouble? Yeah, my van just broke down. So they took us to a hotel. We, uh, we, we called the dealership in, I think it was Las Vegas, and they worked on the van. But yeah, I broke down in Death Valley, but I didn't get super thirsty. But what's the most thirsty you've ever been? Well, the Israelites are out in the desert. It tends to be a very arid place, not much water around. So uh, we see in the next slide uh, the miracle, the first one that happened. In Exodus 17, 2, where Moses struck the rock and out gushed water to feed a lot of people. A lot of people. So this is one of two events in Exodus 17. So let's just read the account and see what the Bible has to say. Exodus 17, I'm actually going to begin in verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? 
But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take your hand, the staff, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah. Y'all know what Massah means? you have any Bible translation there? It means testing. It is there they tested the Lord. And then they also called it Meribah. Meribah means quarreling in the Hebrew. So this is not a real good time for Moses as a leader. And he's frustrated with the people. The people are testing him and testing God. But why was it Massah and Meribah? Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? So they were sort of making this... Uh, Test God moment. Now, it's interesting, I did not realize this, but Asaph, who was one of the musicians who basically would take David's psalms and put them to music, Asaph was also a writer of some psalms. And in Psalm 78, he actually talks about the same event, water coming from the rock. Verse 15 of Psalm 78, we can read it together. It says, He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Well, so far, so good. The people's thirst was satiated. God provided waters. He was kind, but not so good if you keep reading. Let's see why. Verse 17, yet they sin still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat? For his people. You know, that's just, I'm kind of like, oh, really? You guys have had God provide an incredible miracle for providing water, and what do you do? You don't say, thank you, Lord, praise you, Lord, wonderful miracle. We honor you and, and, and think that you're the creator of the universe. No, they said, hmm, if God can do that, Maybe he can give us the meat we want. Maybe he can spread a table for us in the wilderness. God, we want more. Do more for us. Otherwise, we're going to grumble and complain again. No wonder Moses was so frustrated. And so this reminds me a little bit of the miracle. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? He provided the, the, the replicating loaves and fishes. So the next time a great crowd got together, they're like, hey, Jesus, you got any miracles you can do for us? We know that last time you fed them, you know, we'd like to see that again. Perform a miracle. Do something for us. Feed us. And so they followed Jesus around hoping he would provide free food. 
Their hearts were corrupt, just like the Israelites in the wilderness. It angered God. It angered Moses. So it's interesting if you continue here in Psalm 78, Asaph writes, When the Lord heard, he heard their complaining, he heard their whining. When the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. This is almost reminiscent of our lesson today, right? In the morning, God was full of wrath. He was angry. He was indignant. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel. 22, the consequences, because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. You know what happened? Those hard-hearted, stiff-necked Israelites who murmured and complained fell in the wilderness. They incurred the wrath of God because they tested God. So we see the miracle of, of the, the water coming from the rock, something that God provided to satiate their physical thirst. But now what I want to do is transition a little bit into the New Testament where Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and Paul adds an interesting fact about the Old Testament miracle that we just read about from the rock. All right, so you ready? Here we are. If you want to read along, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I do have it on the screen here. But Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, beginning in verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses and the cloud and in the sea. In other words, when he, when he said these things, I'm thinking about you all uh, benefited from the presence of God in these miraculous events. Moses talked to God. You saw that. Uh, you saw the cloud. Uh, you were in the sea together, in the Red Sea, all as one. But you also ate the same spiritual food. And I'm assuming he's speaking of the manna that God provided. And then verse 4 this is interesting, and all drank the same spiritual drink. Is it possible that Paul is referring to the water that was provided from the rock? Is that the spiritual drink that he's mentioning in 1 Corinthians 10? Well, he expounds on this. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. This rock didn't physically leave its perch in the side of the mountain and like go along with the people, did it? The one that gave them water? No, that doesn't make sense at all. So this is more metaphorical language, right? A rock that follows them? Well, he expounds on this and he says the rock was Christ. In other words, Christ was present in the wilderness. Symbolically, he was present in the water that came. The water from the rock. So, yes, God performed a miracle. God provided water in the wilderness. But you had not only the cloud, the sea, uh, the same spiritual food, but you all had the same spiritual drink, the rock that followed you in the wilderness. The rock was Christ. However, he says in verse 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And we know why now, right? 
We talked about why they failed. They murmured, they complained, and they tested God. They said, well, if you can give us water, then how about spreading a table in the wilderness? Give us meat, give us food, give us whatever we want. Otherwise, we'll bitterly complain against you and Moses. So we see hard-heartedness, a lack of spirituality, a lack of honoring God for who he was. So I want to talk tonight about the rock that follows the rock that speaks to us. So we know by now that this is more than just H2O. This is more than just wet water. And we're realizing that this is a spiritual drink, that it is Jesus himself. So what I want you to do is, is I want you to think about John now as he, as he comes to the Feast of Tabernacles, right? It's called the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. This was uh, the one where his brother said, are you going to go? And he said, no, my time is not yet ready. And so he doesn't go with his brothers, but then he shows up later. He's preaching and teaching around the tabernacle. And then all of a sudden he begins to shout. He shouts publicly while they're all looking for Jesus. He makes himself known. So this is in John 7. In John 7. Jesus, he is the rock. He invites the people to partake of the water he offers, the rivers of living water. So Jesus now cries out in this, in this public form, which is kind of interesting because Jesus was not well received by everyone. Some thought that he was a threat and they wanted to, they wanted to kill him or, or, or imprison him for blasphemy. Others thought, could this be the Messiah? They weren't sure. Even his brothers at this point were laughing at him and, and making fun of him, ridiculing him. But he shows up and he cries out in public at this very large feast. Now we're going to read, and uh, if you want to turn to John 7, I'm going to turn there myself. I'll give you just a minute. So this, this rock, this rock that provided water in the Old Testament was actually Jesus himself. All right, we're at John 7, and in, in my Bible, at least, in the uh, English Standard Version, it calls Jesus at the Feast of Booths. Let's just read this uh, section, beginning in verse 1, John 7. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was his hand, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. I almost sense a little um, tongue-in-cheek sarcasm, like, Jesus, if you're who you say you are, prove to the world that you're Messiah. Not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time is not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. Ah, but verse 10, there's a but. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, 
He is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Now it gets very interesting in verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking of my own authority. The one who speaks of his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon! Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. You circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, you are angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. I want to stop here and just point something out. Have the people changed it all from the wilderness to now? They haven't, have they? No matter what Jesus does, they're going to criticize him. They're going to say he deserves death. They accuse him of having a demon. But yet this poor Moses, who had been directed to lead the people in the Old Testament, no matter what he did, no matter how much God provided, the people still complained. You see, brothers and sisters, from the very beginning, the hearts of people grow hard. They grow calloused. They grow unrepentant toward the Lord. And so I, want to, I just want to encourage each and every one of you, always inventory your heart, your faith, your obedience. Don't let the natural man, the fleshly man, be evident in your life. I would suggest that we all try to walk according to the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is what is in us and gives us life. We're told in Galatians that once we've crucified the old man of flesh, then we'll be led by the Spirit. The Spirit will indwell us, and through the Spirit we'll demonstrate fruits of the Spirit. This shows that Jesus is living in us, and we have participated of the living water, that rock. Jesus Christ is in us. Let's continue, verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this man whom they seek to kill? And there he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. So let's drop on down to verse 37. So Jesus has already created somewhat of a controversy. People are mixed in their review of him. And so he stands up in the middle of this great feast on the last day, on the last day of the feast, 37, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, 
If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, that's exactly what Paul meant when he was telling the church at Corinth that this rock was Christ. Now, I want you to pay special attention to verse 39 in John 7. Because parenthetically, John records the reason Jesus said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So hopefully by now we've realized that we're going from a bottle of water, HTO, to the rock that was in the wilderness, and now Jesus Christ who produces living waters. What it's saying is the Holy Spirit will come into you, a gift from Jesus. It will provide eternal life. So for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ, we need to have rivers of living water, evidences of the Holy Spirit living in our life. This is confirmed in verse 39, that these living waters that are flowing out from Jesus are the Spirit. Those who believed in him were present tense to receive, or future tense, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So I want to stop and ask a question. So this is in the Gospel of John. When did the Holy Spirit truly arrive for all believers? Think about that for a minute. Let's go to Pentecost. Fast forward, Acts 2. There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Little flames or tongues of fire were over the apostles' head. They began to speak in various native languages or tongues to the people proclaiming the gospel because people had come from many, many various regions. They heard the gospel proclaimed in their own native language. Peter had to say, these men aren't drunk. No, they haven't been drinking wine. What you're seeing is a manifestation or evidences of God and the Holy Spirit. Later on, they were convicted in Acts 2 of crucifying Messiah. What must we do, they said? Repent and be baptized. Peter responded, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit was promised to all believers. This is what Jesus was saying. This living water is the Spirit that I will give to you that will allow you to have eternal life. Notice in verse 40 of the same chapter, John 7, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Here's the funny part of John 7, if you want to have a little humor. There had been some officers sent from the religious elite to arrest Jesus. Well, they came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers said, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? They were getting really worried. This guy's pretty persuasive. He speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit and promises it, the indwelling of it to future believers. 
So we see that there's mixed reviews as Jesus foretells the coming of the Holy Spirit. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You see, there's so many interesting types of Jesus Christ. And in this case, he's the rock. The rock in the wilderness provides living water. And we know that that living water is referred to as the Holy Spirit. So the last section I want to talk about tonight, if you want to turn your Bibles to John 4, go back just a few chapters. I love the Gospel of John, probably one of my favorite books. But in this case, we have Jesus who, much to the dismay of the apostles, mentions that they're going to be traveling through Samaria. Oh, the dreaded Samaria. Nobody wants to go to Samaria that's full of dogs of half-Jews, worse than Gentile dogs themselves. And so Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well in Samaria. Here I have a picture of it. If we can go back one slide, we see uh, at least this is an indication of the woman at the well according to the chosen. That's a great scene, if you haven't seen it already, where Jesus speaks to her. We know that this woman has a very questionable past when it comes to the men she cohabitates with, Right? Jesus brings this up in the conversation. He tells her things about her no one else could have known unless they are, of course, a prophet. So Jesus, beginning in verse 7, says to her, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. So water is the focal point. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, and I love this verse in verse 13, Everyone who drinks of this water, this physical water in the well, they'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a well, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So then ensues this discussion in verse 16 about the husband. I have no husband. He says, You're right. I have no husband. You had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So she realized that he was a prophet. We know that she was amazed by his perception and what he told her. She went back to tell the people in town about him and brought back. It says later in the text that many believed because of her testimony. Can this be the Christ? See, a man who told me all that I ever did. They went out of the town and were coming to him. Now, it must have been amazing to see the response of the apostles when they came back. Here's Jesus having a little chit-chat with a Samaritan woman. That was not proper for any Jewish man to talk to a woman from Samaria. And now Jesus has not only invited her to come back, 
but she's bringing people from town. I imagine the apostles at this point are rolling their eyes going, oh, brother, look what he's done. But yet Jesus uses this as an opportunity to tell them that the fields around them are white and ready for harvest. Again, Jesus is speaking in metaphorical languages. He said symbolically, see this harvest, it's ready. It's not going to be ready in four months. It's ready now. There is a harvest around us. You see the people coming? See the people coming from town? This is your harvest. And we want to share them the good news about salvation, about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that the Father offers believers. Jesus is the living water. Let him give you drink. So it's been an interesting study tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've got a lot of material in in about 40 minutes. But... Um, Go back and look again at some of the points, and uh, we see where Jesus was the rock that provided living water. Interesting, if you go into the book of Revelation, there's actually a depiction of a little stream, a little trickle of water beginning at the base of the throne of God. That stream, as it continues, gets wider and deeper and wider and deeper. It becomes a rushing torrent uh, symbolizing eternal life. Again, it's that living water, the water of life. So uh, we see that the Holy Spirit in this case was Jesus, the rock in the wilderness. He's promised to us all. I hope this has been an encouraging lesson to you. But let me also suggest that if you have partaken of the living water, please share it with someone who has not. Somebody out there in the wilderness who's dying of thirst that needs Jesus Christ. The lesson's yours tonight. What you do with it's up to you. But I hope you'll contemplate. Think a little bit about Jesus and his desire for us to share a little water with a stranger who is thirsty. The invitation's yours. Let's stand and sing together. There's a great day coming, a great day coming. There's a great day coming by and by. When the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a bright day coming, a bright day coming. There's a bright day coming by and by. But the brightness shall only come to him that know the Lord. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? sad day coming a sad day coming there's a sad day coming by and by when the sinner shall hear his doom depart i know ye not are you ready for that day to come are you ready 
Turning to page 36, uh, if you have not partaken of the Lord's Supper this morning, it is prepared for you in the back in room one. You can head that way uh, during this song. We'll be closed in prayer after this song. Since the love of God has shed priceless blessings on his head, I have made it my own. I will hide it in my heart that it never may depart. It shall rule there alone. The love of God within the heart with kindness and worth impart. The soul shall go like Jesus in his tender mercy. If the heart is made his dwelling place, the love of God grows like a flame. Through endless years it is the same. The love of God will never fail or lose his glory till we see him face to face. While his love burns true and bright, we are walking in the light. He has shown us the road. We whose glory must reflect, lest our dimness and neglect keep some soul from its God. The love of God within the heart will kindliness and warmth impart. The soul will glow like Jesus in his tender mercy. If the heart is made his dwelling place, the love of God grows like a flame. Through endless years it is the same. The love of God were never fell or news its glory till we see him face to face. Let's pray together. Dora, we come before you again just thanking you for a beautiful day you have given us, and we thank you for all the things you've given us. And uh, dear Lord, we pray that you, you put in our hearts that Jesus be that rock, that he be our guidance. And dear Lord, we pray for uh, everybody who is sick and just be with them. And uh, let us reach out to them um, in time of need and help us be good Christians. And dear Lord, we pray that you uh, be with us as we leave this place. And it's through your son's name, through your son's name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>